that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Stephen Means, Nathan Baird, and Andrew Gillis. Ohio State will play Youngstown State in its home opener, not season opener. They'd be Indiana in the season opener, 23-3. This will be their home opener for the 2023 season. The game is at noon. And let's just get the news out of the way. Nathan, you asked about the quarterback situation, but not the actual like pending quarterback situation. More just like the depth of the room conversation. and. By his answer, I have a thought on what the answer Ryan Day gave. You asked him if Lincoln Keenholz was going to play, basically, because you got four guys yeah. to choose, four scholarship, four scholarship quarterbacks to choose from. What did he say? So, yeah, as we mentioned on the Thursday pod when we were drafting these players, I think Lincoln Keenholz was one of my honorable mentions that nobody drafted him, but I was like, oh, would, you know, true freshman. Was this the kind of game where he'll get a chance to play? And Ryan Day's answer was very much, we want to play him eventually. We hope he gets into a game. But it the 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 crux of the answer is he's redshirting, which makes mm-hmm. obvious sense. They've got he's fourth on the depth chart, and this is why they like having four. He's a late enrollee from South Dakota who was not a full-time football player. There's a lot of reasons mm-hmm. why you want to redshirt him. So I would say it's unlikely that he plays Saturday against Youngstown State. I think Part of that reason is they need to use, they will probably push. If this were a situation where Kyle McCord was, had just run away with the starting quarterback job, or maybe it's last year and you have CJ Stroud, which good Lord, good Lord, CJ Stroud going against, <laughs> against Youngstown state. <laughs> Nobody needs to see that. It's bad enough that it's going to be Tristan Jebbia eventually. But if it had been a situation like that, take last year's quarterback room. Stroud would have played like maybe the first series of the third quarter and then Kyle McCord takes over and then maybe Devin Brown gets in like the last half of the fourth quarter, right? I have a feeling that just because of these circumstances and they want to see Devin Brown as much as possible, you're essentially going to get the 1B quarterback pretty deep into this game, right? And then I think they want to reward Tristan Jebbia with some play as well because he is third on this list and because he's doing all these things that they like and being the the GA of the quarterback room, basically. But long story short, I think on top of all of that, I definitely got a vibe from Ryan Day that like maybe it's a little too early for Lincoln Keenholds. And we actually saw him do some interesting things, I thought, in preseason camp. He had some wiggle. Mm-hmm. He's he's an athletic guy. I'm curious what he's going to be like and, and how he's going to factor into future quarterback competitions that are going to be coming up here in another two years or whatever. I think that's going to be potentially pretty fun. I just like, I just want to see him play. So because we didn't see any really in-depth preseason camp, I was hoping he would get to play and we get a little flash of it, but I would say unlikely that he gets in this early. So now you're hoping that they really put a thumping on some guys late in this season. And maybe we'll get to actually see Jebbia or I'm sorry, actually get to see Lincoln Keenholds play. And the, and the thing about him too, is he's probably not gonna throw a pass when he gets into those games late in the season, but because he is athletic, he can get out there and run it a little bit and, and and show what he's got in that capacity. But I would say if there is a fourth quarterback who takes any snaps at all, it'll probably be a walk-on on Saturday. The Lincoln Keenholz, Aaron Nolan, 2025 quarterback battle. Nathan Baird already preparing for it. I, I thought of two yep. people. 
with the Lincoln King Hole situation. Devin Brown got to play against the non-Power 5 school last year. He played in that Toledo game. He played nine snaps, and obviously he played in the Rutgers game, six snaps. They only had three as in that situation. So, as yeah. the third quarterback, true freshman. We've had one true freshman as the fourth quarterback situation. No, that's not true. Uh, C.J. Stroud and Jack Miller were both. Uh, true freshman in 2020 when they have four quarterbacks, yep. but neither. But in that situation, Gunnar Hoke was clearly fourth, just a veteran in the room because they needed more bodies the year before that. And he had two years of eligibility. So the only other time, Nathan, that they have had four quarterbacks and there was a true freshman who was quarterback number four. Do you remember who that was? Last time they had four quarterbacks with a true freshman who was number four. Mm-hmm. Well, it hasn't been in my brief time here, right? So I wouldn't be remembering it. Wrong. It has been. We covered him. And now he's the starting quarterback at Texas. It's Quinn Ewers, and he didn't play until the Michigan State game. Oh, he was okay. quarterback number four, right. and he sure. played against Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, he played two snaps. But, but I, think that, I think that, though, is a valuable yes. comparison. Because yes. Twisted, or Quinn Ewers was not ready to play football games when he got here and he was an even later arrival and even mm-hmm. younger. And now maybe the fact that he played high level Texas quarterback negates some of that and makes them actually a little bit more equalized, but still like he wasn't ready. And I would say uh, that answer today tells me Lincoln Keenel is not quite ready, but you also, I, I was glad I asked the question because it's kind of academic. Um, he's if, if you get in a place this year where Lincoln Keenel has to go win you football games. Woo. Oh. That's bad. I mean, but yeah, it's one of the, I mean, this school's had the third string have to do it. They haven't had the fourth string have to do it yet. That's a yeah. whole another. That's another level. Listen, but, I don't know but, about all that one there. Yeah, but I thought it was interesting to hear Ryan Day talk about. He almost sound. He almost talks about him with a little bit of surprise. Not surprise, but like like pleasant. Like the the analysis that you're getting on him because he's coming in from the. Um, and I, I, I obviously spent some time in South Dakota as a youth and, and had some fun times up there, had some family up there, but not exactly a football hotbed. It's a hotbed sometimes. It can get warm up there mm-hmm. in the summers uh, on the, the desert areas, but, but not a football hotbed uh, in, in Pierre, South Dakota. But the guy who – so coming from a, a small football state, a lower-level football state, coming from a, a varied athletic background where he isn't one of these guys who was just doing quarterback – training from you know upper level guys and and, you know i i think they're intrigued by what they're seeing so far i think he is maybe a little bit ahead of schedule so i was glad i asked a question just because we get that that vibe on him and that's just one of those things you can tuck away until spring 2024 at the earliest and maybe it is 2025 before things start really getting uh hot for him yeah the only reason i brought up the quinn ewer thing because i was looking for a game on the schedule that might fit that and I mean, maybe it is just a Michigan State game again because who knows if they're passing a defense has gotten better or not. But it's just it would have to be late in the year where whoever ends up being the permanent starting quarterback has done such a dominant job in the first 30 minutes of the game that you don't use him and you just want to give everybody an opportunity to use that fourth and final game. But it's more likely that we probably don't see Lincoln Keenholz this year, which is what they, they – you know, your fourth quarterback probably shouldn't be seeing the field. They probably should be a true freshman who's redshirting and preparing for the future there. So, Andrew, worrying about things that are present, let's kind of get into this Youngstown State team. They beat Valparaiso last week, which is uh, quality for them – in your research, what are some things that maybe stand out as I, I'm, I'm, some things that stand out about Youngstown State? And is there anything that they provide that 
they're not going to stop Ohio State from doing anything they want to do. But is there anything that they can provide that maybe a team of equal talent can turn into something interesting later down the line? We'll see. Uh, well, they scored I 52 points. Uh, I was intrigued. I mean, obviously, it was, you know, it's it's hard when you're talking about an FCS team to read a lot of information about whoever just because, I mean, how many, I mean, we're talking dozens and dozens of people cover Ohio State, and, and I know that's a huge media beat, but that doesn't really hold true for the rest of the Big Ten, and I mean, when you get down to the FCS levels, it's a little little dicey so you know i'm intrigued tyshawn king he had uh he had 11 carries for 111 yards last week that you know that's something that you know i you know kind of stood out to me they ran the ball more than they passed it i don't know if that was a matter of hey look they won by 42 points and it's it's that chart where it's like if you run the if you run the ball a certain amount of times you win the game yeah well that's kind of wrong because if you're winning you're running the ball a lot and and you're trying to kill the clock so i'm curious to see kind of what they're what their distribution is in terms of running the ball and passing the ball. I know that they threw it a lot, or excuse me, they ran it a lot, didn't really throw it a lot. Um, yeah, you know, and, and again, I, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see kind of how they, how they operate in terms of, um, you know, what they can do at the running back position, because there's nothing that Ohio State is going to be unprepared for, might not be the right word, because I guess theoretically Youngstown State could come out with something, but Ohio State will be ready to stop anything and everything. So I guess for me, I you know I just kind of want to see like, hey, like they could be spunky if this if this running game really takes off. I mean, he scored fifty two against Valparaiso, so I was like, oh, like well, let, let me go find out about Valparaiso. Well, it tells you something about Valparaiso football that nobody's updated yeah. their Wikipedia by by year since like twenty sixteen. So we don't. The last seven years of Valparaiso football may or may not have happened. But yeah, so the so only thing I know about just, Valparaiso is Bryce Drew. Because of the NCAA tournament. That's the only that's thing right. I know about Valparaiso. That's right. Listen, like they can be like, hey, we went into like north central Indiana and came out with a win last week. Like, you guys beat Indiana? Like, well, Valparaiso. So that's <laughs> similar. Um But they were five and seven last year, uh, according to their um, according to their webpage. So uh, not a juggernaut. Four and seven the year before that. So not not a not an FCS juggernaut that that Youngstown State scored fifty two points on last week. But I'm I'm curious if it's going to be a similar approach. I don't know if it'd be triple option like what Indiana ran last week, but it seems like a very ground oriented offense. They had a back last year that ran for a ton of yards. He's gone. They they have replaced him with a guy who ran for some yards against Young uh, against Valparaiso last week. But um, yeah, what does that mean? Um, I, I am curious again. Uh, like, how do you judge it? Do I think do I think they're going to do something that? Tells us something about Ohio State? No, not not something they do will tell us something about Ohio State. I think what mm-hmm. Ohio State does will tell us about Ohio State. Like, what does it? You know, this will be like watching a scrimmage. This will be like when you watch the the ones against the twos in a scrimmage, essentially. And it's actually probably not quite that good, but you know what I'm saying. Like, if you're estimating yeah, something, yeah, yeah. so like when you watch the first string offense go up against. Ohio State's twos. Like, I guess, picture that. Ohio State's first string offense with Kyle McCord goes out there. So we're talking Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Buka, Trevian Henderson, the whole nine yards. Cade Stover. Those, that group goes out, and they're playing against a defense with, you know, uh, Jair Brown and maybe Jihad Carter and um, just trying to think, like, down the list. Gabe Powers would be out there. CJ Hicks. That's probably not a good example because those guys are... are Maybe high. See, that's the problem. Guys, yeah, that's but, the problem. It's but, like I think that defense the, might do a better job against Ohio State. 
But get down to that second level on the defensive line too. You know, it's yeah. it's not JT Tumaloao, it's it's Kenyatta Jackson, or it's you know it's it's Jade McKenzie that you're going against. So like those guys are all fine football players, but you see that that dip. So then what do you expect that first string offense to do against those guys? Where it's not they're not quite as dynamic, not quite as physical, not quite as experienced. You expect them to score a touchdown every time. So I think that's the standard. If Ohio State's offense didn't score a touchdown on any given possession, why the heck not? You heard it from Nathan Baird first. Ohio State should score a touchdown on every single possession on Saturday, and if they if they kick a field goal, it is called failure. Ohio State's first, first string offense. Ohio State's first yes. string offense yes. should yes. score a touchdown every time. I, 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 I agree. What? How is no, that I not agree. the standard? How is that not no, the standard? I, no. You, yeah, no, you're yeah, trying to I win. An, you're trying to win an <laughs> FBS national championship, and this yes. other team is like. Could we make the playoffs if like everything <laughs> went exactly right? Could we be one of the top sixteen teams in FBS or, or FCS? I'm sorry. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a disparity. It should be that's. I'm always the one. I like I'm the person. I feel like a lot of times who's like, let's not get over our skis here. You gotta you gotta factor in yep. some human error. You gotta whatever. Like no, like if whoever is quarterbacking this team with the first string offense, that should be a tutty. They can bring Aaron Nolan in here for the for the weekend and have him run the offense, and they should still score a touchdown on every single drive, given what these weapons are this year. You can't say that every year, but I'm sorry. You've got two first-round wide receivers, a draftable tight end and a draftable wide receiver, and maybe a early second-round running back. You score a touchdown every single time you get the ball. I agree with that. Youngstown State does have one Ohio State relation right now. Obviously, they've got the Jim Trestle relation in history, but this year they do have one relation. And it's a guy who, to the, I mean, we're sitting here talking about Youngstown State. They had a guy. They have a guy right now that Ohio State deemed as starter quality and Marcus Hooker. Yeah. Marcus Hooker, the, yeah. the little brother of Malik Hooker, showed up in 2018 as a, the number 690 player in the country and didn't play much his first couple of years. But in 2020, when we all thought – Josh Proctor was going to be the starting single high safety. It was Marcus Hooker who was out there against Northwestern and played the first few weeks of that season and played a lot of snaps that year. I'm not saying he was great, good. It was okay play at best. But that guy won a job here for a year and some change. When we And, so, and now he's on Youngstown State's team for the last two years. He's been decent there as well. I think he's their best defensive player on that team and it's because he's coming from the level he's coming from, but there's the only relation there. Nathan, you look like you want to, I mean, that's a guy who started here, you know? So he knows the yeah. program a little bit. I would just like to have seen the look on Ohio state fans faces. If I got out of a time machine at a mm. Ohio state tailgate parking lot in 2020 and said, or early 2021, maybe even better and said at, at like the 2021 spring game. And I said, Hey, in 2023, Marcus Hooker and Josh Proctor will both be starting for Ohio State in week two. Or we'll be starting in, in that game in week two because it wouldn't we'll be, be both for Ohio State. Yeah, we'll be starting inside Ohio, a game in Ohio State yeah. in week two. It's, yeah. And, and not, not, not tell them the, the full details of it because I think yeah. they might have been very, they might have been crestfallen to say the least. And uh, Josh Proctor obviously acquitted himself pretty well, I thought, in, in week one. So we're being a little bit facetious here. But yeah, that was an interesting inflection point because I thought it was it was right on the fault line of where you could see that Ohio State had not um, had not amassed the personnel necessary mm -hmm. to be the defense it wanted to be, and it was not making personnel choices. I think, or developing personnel to be the defense it wanted to be. I 
we at the time looked sideways at the Marcus Hooker, Josh Proctor decision Mm -hmm. in 2020. I mean, Josh Proctor is about to start his third straight opening day, or just did, just did start his third straight opening day. And it we all assumed it was going to be four, which who knows if that means he'd even still be here. It's like one of those butterfly mm-hmm. effect things. But everyone assumed he was the starting safety going into 2020, and it ends up being Marcus Hooker. And some of that might have been the things that they like about Josh Proctor in a three-safety setup. You can play free safety in a three-safety yeah. setup, and have Josh Proctor's skill set and it not be a potential, I don't know what other word to use here, liability at times compared to that same player, same skill set in a single high safety setup, which is what they were still running at the start of the 2020 season or through the whole 2020 season, basically. So I get it in retrospect. I think that was the assessment that they made. The hooker was more of a free safety and hooker and, and Proctor was more of a strong safety. I, I get it. But they, a year later, still had Proctor starting when when Hooker had, had moved on. Or no, he was still around for 2021. He well, stayed through the, the 2021 yeah. season. Yeah, he so, did, right. had some other issues in there. But, um, so yeah, it's just a, an interesting inflection point in Ohio State history that's kind of coming back to, back to fuse together. But just think of how, how tenuous the safety situation was in 2021. Hooker had sort of faded to the background. Proctor gets hurt. Now everything gets turned over to Bryson Shaw, who I've always defended as someone who was not a elite level football player, but I thought did everything Ohio State could ask of him in that situation. That wasn't he was never supposed to be your 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 one starting safety at the back of this defense. And now look at where they are, where they can be potentially a real backbone between Sonny Styles, Proctor, Ransom, Malik Hartford's coming. It's it's interesting to have watched that transition and this week with now Proctor and Hooker facing off sort of across the way from each other, exemplifying that. Marcus Hooker didn't play any snaps in 2018 when he got here. In 2019, he played 82 snaps, and he played 285 snaps in 2020. And then he went right back down to 39 snaps in 2021, headed off for Youngstown State. Well, also, yes, he had some off-field issues as well. Played 233 snaps last season for Youngstown State and has played and played 44 snaps in their season opener. We're going to take a break here and then when we come back, I'm going to I have questions that I asked Nathan and Andrew during this game preview pod every week. I'm going to tweak it a little bit this week because nothing about this game is going to tell you that Ohio State's national championship caliber, but there are still things that we can maybe find out as Nathan said about Ohio State that Ohio State can tell us about themselves. So more on that when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. We text about everything, man. We text when we get day on Tuesdays. We text when we get players on Wednesdays. We text when we listen to Day's radio show on Thursdays. We text when we get our 10-minute lightning round with him right after the radio show on Thursdays. We text on game days a lot. We text on Sundays. We text on Mondays. It's a good time over here. Two-week free trial. Great time to sign up right now. This will get you through the Youngstown State and the Western Kentucky game. Or you can just wait. Wait till Saturday and then sign up for the text because then that will get you through the actual Western Kentucky game. Then it'll get you through the following week. Excuse me, through the Youngstown State game. Then the following week through the Western Kentucky game. And then it will end right after Saturday after you watch the Notre Dame game. So this is, you can get it three games out of two weeks. 
If you sign, if you play this right, sign up on Saturday. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. Andrew, I'll ask you first. Typically, I ask, what can the offense do to show you its national championship caliber this week or playoff caliber this week? The answer to that is nothing. So that instead, I'm going to ask you, what do you want to see from the Ohio State offense that lets you know it improved from some of the stuff that maybe went wrong a week ago? The thing that I want to see from the offensive line would be the mental mistakes are picked up because you can make mental mistakes against Youngstown State. You can make mental mistakes against Appalachian State. You can make mental mistakes against Michigan. You can make mental mistakes against every single team that you're going to play hypothetically. And it happened against Indiana. You know, you saw Ryan Day said on his radio show that, you know, a lot of times the running backs, we didn't give them a lot to work with. Like it was obviously a concern. You know, one player graded out as a champion, um, Fryer at right tackle. You're, we all saw the struggles that Simmons had at left tackle. I I think that there might have been an overreaction. Maybe the pendulum swung a little bit too much where it was, you know, people were saying, oh, this is going to be the downfall of this team. And it, you know what? It might be, but I think there's got to be an, a, a, like a realization of like, all right, they had a new left tackle. And a new starting center, like you, you've got working in new guys, like give it some time. Just give it a little bit of time. Give it a week. Give it two weeks and, and then see where you're at going into Notre Dame. Um, and I think going into the Notre Dame game, you've got to have those mental mistakes cleared up because Notre Dame actually has talented pass rushers. And <laughs> I know Indiana has some decently talented pass rushers as well, but like Notre Dame is going to be a different level than what you've seen from Indiana, from Youngstown State and from Western Kentucky. So. Uh, they can burn you, you know, in, in a physical kind of way if you're if you're not careful and if you're not, you know, on your P's and Q's. So that's the number one thing I'm looking for. Are those mental mistakes cleaned up? Do, do they look like they're in sync with one another? Do they kind of look like, you know, five guys seeing through one one uh, one set of eyes? Like that's the kind of thing that you want to look at for the offensive line. Everything else. Yeah. Again, shrug. I, I don't really know. Um, I, 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 and I don't really like, I understand that sounds hilarious to talk about the quarterbacks, but I I just really don't think either one of those guys is going to come out there and not play well. And with that in mind, I don't think you're going to learn anything about the quarterbacks. I don't think you're really going to learn anything about the running backs or the receivers either, but the offensive line, if you can get some of those things cleaned up, if you can, this is like, this is a get right game. and, And this is exactly the moment to just to get yourself in communication with one another, to get yourself in sync with one another, because you know that the guy going up against you is certainly not more talented than you. So this is a get right game for the offensive line. That's what I'm going to be looking at. Yeah, and so it's like the line on this game is not insane. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. It's it's huge, but it's not like something crazy over the moon. And we'll talk about the dynamics that might play into that and how that's going to play out. But the reason I'm saying that is, and I, I hate to keep coming back to this, I'm not trying to talk down to Youngstown State. Kudos to them for taking the paycheck and showing up to play this game. But I think you what we want to see, especially from the offensive line, is moments where you almost feel sorry for Youngstown State. <laughs> like, and you that's almost what you try to find in some of these Big Ten games. Again, it's that's the standard that Ohio State tries to set. It's it's the there's a team that was playing last week that thinks it can win a national championship, and there's a team that doesn't know if it's going to make a bowl game, and one of those teams should bully the other one a little bit. And we didn't see that enough, I thought, especially from the offensive line against Indiana. There was a play early in that game, Stephen, and I don't remember if we brought this up specifically on the Monday pod, but Josh Simmons is blocking to the left, and it's it was a run play, and Trevin Henderson's coming in behind him, and, and 
and Josh Simmons gets into the second level and then makes a decision instead of like extending up and going, finding somebody like planting a safety. Like we saw Thayer Munford, Paris Johnson, Nicholas Petit Frere. Like that's become such the, the, the routine play there. He like, turns around and blocks somebody behind him and all. And then, so now Trevin Henderson runs by him, but there's a safety or linebacker. I can't remember which is there to stop him. And it was just, it, it showed, I think a lack of some awareness here. I'm not a film guru. There may be somebody out there who would tell me why that was the play design and that wasn't his fault, but it sure looked really wrong on film. So I, again, I think it's more just, are we seeing this offensive line get into the second level, putting guys on their back, Ohio state, running backs then being able to break off some longer runs from that. It's just you have to start seeing not just what Andrew's talking about with the lack of mental mistakes. There's just kind of no excuse to have mental mistakes at this point. It's, it's week two, this opponent, you're playing at home, favorable environment. Like that shouldn't be happening. But I think you also need to start to see some of that, that thunder a little bit because if you're not showing the thunder against Youngstown State, then are you even – showing a, a strong breeze, a strong wind against Notre Dame when you really need it in two weeks. Finding work. I mean, we, uh, especially, I remember in 19, Josh Myers and Thayer Munford and Jonah Jackson were just elite at finding work. After the initial assignment, they've kind of conquered that, getting to that second level and finding it. I know what player you're talking about, Josh. He didn't really show that. I'm with you guys with the offensive line stuff. I want to say the quarterbacks just kind of let it rip a little bit. You know, I, I thought, and it, it's not about, because Marvin and Mecca are going to win, and Julian's going to win, and Cardinal Tate's going to win, and Brandon Innocent on down, they're going to win, because they're better than the other guy on the other side of the ball from them. But we talked about this on the Monday pod, Nathan, the, there were times when it felt like Kyle McCord took the smart, safer choice instead of going to get the best choice. And when Marvin gets behind the safeties, he should get the ball. When Emeka gets beyond the safeties, he should get the ball. Same with Julian, same with Cade Stover, same with Carnell Tate or any other weapon they throw out there. They get behind the safeties, toss it down the field. And I want to see, especially from Kyle McCord, since we didn't see Devin Brown get those opportunities, has seen some of that film that they went over on Sunday where maybe he saw some of those opportunities that he left on the table. Does he build on that this week by maybe taking them? To your point of they should probably score every – no, not probably – they should 100% score every single time the first-team offense comes on the field. I think that should include some one-play 75-yard drives in my, or three-play 75-yard drives because it's just so explosive because they got behind the safeties. Kyle McCord didn't take the safe thing. He took the best possible thing, and it ends up in a touchdown. I want to see that growth from him, and I just because we didn't get to see it from Devin Brown, I just want to see him do it. Because that's part of this process here where you're trying to find who maximizes this offense is, who can push the ball down the field vertically when those opportunities come. Because you're going to get 45 more opportunities in this game maybe to do that than you are in any other game on your schedule because this is it's never going to be this far of a talent gap again. So that's what I want to see, just the decision-making. Because the execution is going to be there. I just want to see the, the, the decision-making grow from week one to week two you're not throwing against air and mm -hmm. these guys are practicing and people who are coaching Youngstown state in this game, maybe five years down the line, you're looking around and maybe they're sprinkled around the big 10 coordinating defenses, helping with defenses, whatever. Like there's, there's a real coaching staff here. Who's going to try to come out and do some things to confuse Tom Accord as best they can. And Devin Brown, whoever. So you're right. I, I it's 
it's what reads are you making and then what decisions are you making within those reads there's there's there that can be judged i think regardless of the opponent i'll start on defense i don't know how much young sound say is going to try to throw it because i just don't know if that's smart maybe they do who knows maybe they triple option it too because it's like they look for indiana and we're not as good as they are so maybe we should do it or maybe they try to get something in the first quarter just you know the feel good early in the game script type of stuff but if indian if youngstown state throws it 15 times i want to see the defensive line maximize those 15 times so if that's four sacks it's four sacks if it's a bunch of qb hurries if it feels like youngstown state's quarterback is is constantly in panic mode back i just want to see that because it's just opportunity. We haven't had the opportunity to really see these defensive linemen get after the quarterback. Maybe it happens this week. I know it's going to happen next week against Western Kentucky. But when you're in situations like this, this is not the only time it's going to happen this year where a team has just a loose that I'm not going to throw the ball against Ohio State. So that means Ohio State has to maximize the opportunities that do come their way. So I just want to see them maximize them. Also just want to see some sacks because once again, we've been talking about sacks for four years now. Nathan, what are you want to see from the defense that lets you know there's been one percent improvement shut out like i mean like, like <clears> again <throat> it's it's again i think you just have to set the standard that high that's 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 just where it is and if youngstown state can crack that for even one drive then then kudos to them um i my all of my thoughts on defense for this game are again i just don't know what how youngstown state is going to try to come out and and play they, they may also be in a different position with, than indiana too because and Indiana could reasonably say, if you were to run 10,000 simulations to that game, like if you shorten the game and with the way you run your offense and your defense gets after it, which it did at times, and mm-hmm. you create some turnovers, like how many times out of 10,000 does Indiana win that game? There's, there's some percentage. I think it might be zero for Youngstown State. So, like, do they come out and maybe be a little bit more aggressive and take their shots? Because what other reason did you play this game other than to, well, take a paycheck, but then also take your shots. Like your guys want to line up against Ohio state and find out what it's about. And you know that Ohio state's going to take its shots with Marvin Harrison jr. And Emeka Buka and Jerry Henderson early. You're going up against some of the best players in college football. So you should take yours and maybe that'll afford some of those opportunities. Like you're talking about, because they were just so sparse against Indiana. It's very hard to judge a lot of things about this defense based on an Indiana game. So I'm, I'm, I think you want to see lockdown. I think you want to see, you know, the continued stability as far as keeping those explosives locked off. I think you also, though, like the, the thing I most want to see on defense is more guys. I want to see some more guys get to play yeah. more snaps. So I want to see a little bit more from Kenyatta Jackson and a lot more from CJ Hicks and more from Gabe Powers and more from some of the young cornerbacks and just go, go on down the list. More Malik Harford, probably. Like, just get. I want to see more of these guys play, and I think Ohio State wants to get those guys as many reps as possible because a lot of those guys, it's not all what can this guy turn into in 2024. A lot of those guys, it's like we still want correctable things to show up on film because we can make that guy better for 2023 if we need him. I love how the underlining of everything you said so far in this pod is, I want Ohio State to go out there and make sure there's no hope. No hope, no way out, no light at the end of the tunnel. Because it should be no light at the end of the tunnel, which I agree with you. Yeah, the first team for sure. And 
maybe a little bit of the second team too, depending on who we're talking about here. Andrew, what do you want to see from the defense that shows you growth, improvement from you know from last week? But just this is about Ohio State. It's not about the opponent. Well, the the first thing was when Nathan said, you know, one time out of ten thousand or whatever it was for Indiana, or however many times out of ten thousand, more than one. The well, the 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 thing that I thought of was the little Giants quote. Uh, if you've ever seen that movie, um, where he talks about Danny and Kevin used to race down Cherry Hill every day, and he goes, and he beat me all, but one time, one time I beat him, and that like I'm just I was just imagining like Tom Allen giving that speech in the Indiana locker room, like. Indiana, like Ohio State's gonna beat us 99 times out of 100, but that still leaves. Like it just made me laugh um, because the Little Giants was my childhood. Um, for this game, I'm not gonna say shut out. I'm not gonna say even keep them out of the end zone because, like, is anyone gonna lose their minds if the game is 55 to nothing with four minutes left in the game and Ohio State? with a bunch of dudes who have never played college football before, allow a touchdown to Youngstown State's first team offense. Like, is anybody going to be like, this is unacceptable? This is a fit. Like, I understand Ohio State's depth is more talented, but d- d- like, are we going to say that like these guys all playing their first game together is, is kind of a fail. I, I just, I think that that's maybe a bridge too far. The thing that I do think is important is explosive plays. Um, this is kind of similar to what I was saying about the offensive line. Physically, we know Ohio State is the more dominant team, the better team. Physically, we know that they're faster, bigger, faster, stronger. You know, you know they played in bigger games, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, duh. But mentally, the offensive line kind of has to hold up with those, you know, block the right guy and communicate with one another and and be kind of in sync with one another i think the same thing with the defense like don't allow a 25 yard pass because the 20 these that would indicate to me like there is not a player in ohio state secondary that should be getting burned repeatedly uh on saturday so you know to me this is a player or this is a game where you can't let a player behind you because that's, I mean, that's a mental error. Like this is the week to kind of clean up your mental errors. This is the week to clean up those things. Same thing with the run game. If you let somebody bust off a 25 yard run, then, I mean, you you didn't fit the run properly and and they have all the physical talent to do it. You know, this isn't one of those things where, you know what, you play in Michigan, playing Penn state, they're going to get a big play because those are pretty good football teams. Good, good football teams and good football players are allowed to make good plays. And that's just going to happen against, against bigger and better teams. Uh, but against Youngstown State, keep everything kind of in front of you. Keep everything in check. And, and I think that that is, um, that is probably the thing that, I, that I'm looking for. Because, again, it all cycles back for me to mental errors and mental mistakes and the lack thereof. And this is the week to prevent those. This is the week to clean those up and to really kind of set yourself up to, uh, you know, to be feeling good going into Western Kentucky and then to Notre Dame. So there's that. We want Ohio State to dominate because if there's not, then that. there's going to be a, a serious issue. It's it's hard. You know, they're playing the FCS school. That's a middle of the road FCS school. So it might just be that. It might be that more, more ugly. The line is 40, 41 or 42. 41 in the hook. Yeah. The line is 41 and a half. Nathan, are you shocked that it's that low? So I wasn't shocked that it was that low. I was a little bit surprised only because 
So we're recording this, obviously, on, on Thursday afternoon. That line did not come out, and it's only been one book that's put it up. It's FanDuel is the mm-hmm. only book that I've seen put up a line so far. We thought there wasn't going to be one, maybe until even Saturday morning. Sometimes the, the lines on the, the FCS games come out very late. So we had looked to Tissue, and his line that his numbers came up with was 52 and a half. So mm-hmm. that made me think that, I mean, that's a big disparity. I mean, typically, you know, Tishu, and he's, you know, I know his FCS numbers are, are somewhat new, but typically Tishu's lines and the betting lines are not 11 points different. So mm-hmm. I was a little bit surprised. However, I think there's a couple factors here. Number one, um, if you look back historically, the, sp- the eventual point differentials in some of these games against other FBS teams, especially other Power 5 teams, even Big 10 teams, are sometimes bigger than what happens in these games. Because I think, uh, you know, Doug was going into this last year about the decision when you would play a backup, when you would let a quarterback throw passes when you wouldn't. It makes Mm -hmm. sense not to throw when you're up on a team that is taking your paycheck to come in and and just be a loss. And you don't want to just like rub their face in it. There is a sportsmanship element to how some of these FCS games play out. And and that's probably baked into the line that they set here. I was looking at the last couple times uh, Youngstown State played an FCS or FBS team, Power Five team, I should say, and it was Michigan State. Or sorry, Kentucky last year it was thirty-one to nothing. Michigan State in twenty twenty-one was forty-two to fourteen. So reasonable, I mean, obviously convincing wins, but still reasonable point differentials there. Uh, the other thing is the way I think. I don't know how they're adjusting to these this clock situation. You know, really, mm-hmm. it wasn't a massive differential in the number of plays that Ohio State played in week one offensively. They only faced 55 defensive plays. But as far as the number of plays Ohio State got to play offensively, it's kind of in along with their norm. Now, usually, if the other team's only playing 55, it means Ohio State's playing a lot more, and that's where the clock came into it, I suppose. So maybe that's also a part of this, that I think it's a combination of wanting to not run it up on people. And Ryan Day is... is has talked before, even against Big Ten opponents, where he's you know he's wary of that, and then also who knows what the clock is going to do to a game like this. So I I was thinking that the game would probably as I was trying to set my own score for this game, I was sort of thinking in this range, and I so I basically I'm just probably going to end up flipping from a not thinking we would cover the t they or Ohio State would cover the tissue spread to now thinking they will cover the actual spread if that makes sense. I was wondering if Ohio State's quarterback situation right now, where they're still trying to figure it out, maybe pushed it down maybe four or five points as well, just because it's like, but at the same time, which is, I think in most cases, not, I don't think it would change true. it that much. I don't think it yeah. would change it that much. Yeah. yeah. I don't think it may, and it may, it really wouldn't change it at all because whoever, any of Ohio State's first three quarterbacks are yeah. all guys who are F, FBS starting caliber. And Tristan Jebbia did it multiple years so it's yeah. like at Oregon State so all those guys should be able to go out and, and do a laser show against Youngstown State so we're going to get into our game picks here shortly but for right now I'm going to kick Nathan and Andrew off the pod and be joined by Tissue after the break where we're going to get into why there's an 11 point difference in between this new line that fam dual put put out and the line that Tissue has had for the game plus we're going to get into some other games because listen there's some other interesting bets to get into where the games also might just be interesting as well. So when we come back from the break, I will be joined by Tishu when we get back here on Buckeye Talk. 
And we're back on Buckeye Talk. Steven Means joined by Tyler Shoemaker. And Tishu, so this is an FCS school Ohio State is playing. So there has been no line for most of the week, which is pretty – most FCS lines don't come out until Saturday. We were literally just talking about this before we started recording. But you've had a line for this game all along, and it's been 51 and a half. And then FanDuel on Thursday afternoon, as we were getting ready to record this, put out a line of their own at 41 and a half. So 10, well, yours is 52 and a half. That's an 11 point yeah. difference, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So just can you walk us through with this type of opponent where it's Ohio State, pick your score. Hey, how long are your starters going to be in the game? How, how much of the talent gap is still there when you go to your backups? What? How did you come up with the line fifty two and a half for Ohio State against Youngstown State this week? Yeah, well, the the advantage that I have now is this year is the first year that I started doing FCS ratings, so I can mm-hmm. you know kind of accurately with all the data that's available, I can accurately predict you know where these FCS teams are. Whereas honestly, I don't I don't think odds makers really care that much because these these FCS lines are generally pretty soft. Like you'll see them get posted on a Saturday morning and. Within 45 minutes or an hour, the lines moved like six points because the the lines are their opening lines are so bad because they I don't think they care much. I think it's lower limits like you can't bet a ton of money on them. Um, But, you know, that that gives us an advantage, gives me an advantage and and our listeners an advantage because I do have those numbers and I do care about it. So. Mm -hmm. uh, So, yeah, I'm I'm at 52 and a half projected score uh, about 56 to three. Um, There's no total posted yet. So, you know, we don't know where that's going to fall. But I, I think. Normally, I wouldn't want to lay the points with Ohio State in a game like this just because, like, in years past, they probably haven't cared all that much. But I think the way they looked last week and kind of the backlash that's happened since, particularly with the offense, like, I think they're going to want to come out and, and feel good about themselves uh, on Saturday. So I, I, I think I would be more inclined to, to lay the 41 and a half, especially if it stays there and you can get it at 42 or less. I, I would love that. It's you're new to the FCS world, so let's let's actually get into that for a little. Is the research and the calculations there maybe more difficult because it is fresh, it is brand new, and it's maybe harder to get information on FCS schools while schools like Ohio State, but even like a Michigan State, or maybe the information is a little bit more readily available. Yeah, I mean, there's not as robust of data available mm-hmm. for sure with with the FCS teams. You know, fortunately for me though, because I'm a one man operation, I've kind of had to over the years like kind of figure out which stats are really important to me and like what I'm going to actually incorporate and how do how do those stat, stats translate to, you know, bottom line, I want to know how many points would a team be expected to score and allow against another team. So I, I have come up, you know, my system is pretty good. Like I don't, I don't take a ton of things into consideration. Like I've, I've narrowed it down pretty well at this point. Um, and, and then there's an adjustment that I make. Uh, so it's a, it's a flat 28 point adjustment. So I, I take the FCS team's data like I, I would a, an FBS team and then just adjust that 28 points, and that's that's how I get their power rating. So this line is huge. Whether you're going by T-Shoes math or you're going by FanDuel's math, the point is Ohio State's going to win by at least 30-something points in this, in this game. So because of that, I wanted to give you an opportunity. Just what are three other games – where you kind of best bet games that fans should be paying attention to if when you know when this game is over at 1:30 starting at 12 o'clock and you're getting ready to watch other football games what are some other games that are maybe best bets this week yeah i you know some some under the radar ones and and obviously you know listeners that that followed betting the buckeyes last season know that that i love the these under the radar games that's generally where mm-hmm. i find a lot of value um i bet <laughs> 
speaking of FCS, I bet on Marshall against Albany last week, <sighs> minus 21 and a half, and Marshall was atrocious. They they didn't even come close to covering. So they got a huge downgrade. So this is not they play at ECU this week, and Marshall's a three-point favorite. And I I really think this is a case where odds makers just didn't even factor in that FCS game from last week and are only using Marshall's preseason numbers because mm-hmm. preseason I would have had Marshall a one-point favorite here. But that that game last week, I actually now make uh, ECU a three-and-a-half-point favorite, and, and they're, they're a three-point dog. So I'm going to take ECU plus three against Marshall this week. And then um, another one that I like, a, a road favorite here, Houston is going to Rice, and Rice was kind of our betting the Buckeyes darling last year. We, we were either betting on them or against them every week, it felt like. Uh, Houston's only a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, I think there's actually some nines even out there. I think this is crazy. I think this is a huge overreaction to Rice covering against Texas last week. Uh, Houston took down UTSA uh, and and held them to 10 points, I believe. So, I mean, I project this game Houston minus 19 and a half. So I'm going to I'm going to lay the points here. I I would take anything under 10 with Houston against Rice. And then uh, another one. I haven't personally bet this one yet, but I'm, I'm going to. I'm just making sure I get the best number. And that's one of the marquee matchups this weekend. Tulane at home plays Ole Miss. You know, very rarely do you see an SEC team going on the road to mm-hmm. play a team like Tulane. Ole Miss is a seven and a half point favorite. I project this basically as a pick 'em. Uh, so I'm probably going to bet Tulane plus seven and a half or better here. What's your stay away from this one game of the week? Uh, let's see. Stay away. Um, probably anything involving Kent State. Like Arkansas plays Kent State at, <laughs> at Arkansas. And like, not just because you went to Kent State, I'm sorry. They. <laughs> Like, I, I don't know if they're actually as bad as they looked against UCF. You know, I had, obviously, I mean, they're they're generally not going to be a super highly power-rated team on any given mm-hmm. year. I had them pretty low this year, although I was higher on them, I think, than the market. I had them going over their season win total preseason. And then they came out and just looked awful against UCF. And I know UCF is good. They're like a top 15 team for me. But I think right now, I, I want to avoid anything involving Kent State. I want to avoid anything involving Deion Sanders in Colorado right now until I, until I get a better mm-hmm. handle on them because they had such roster turnover. Uh, so I, I'm very interested. Like I'm going to be tuned into to Colorado, Nebraska to see how it plays out because my numbers favor Nebraska by two and a half. But I'm you know it's it's just tough to tell with a, a one game sample right now in Colorado. So I'm I'm going to stay away from from Colorado for sure. So not ready to believe yet. Not not yet. <laughs> <laughs> and then as usual. Ohio State, Youngstown State, game score. Your line is 52.5. FanDuel's line is 41.5. Where are you? Are, is Ohio State going to cover both lines this week for TCU? Yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be, like I said, my, my model's technical uh, projection would be 56 to 3. I, I think it'll probably be somewhere in the neighborhood of 52 to 3, 52 to 7, something like that. Um, Really, it's hard in a game like this because you just don't know. With there's going to be garbage time for sure, so you just don't know like how deep is Ohio State going to go and their and their bench. Who knows? So, you know, I, I wouldn't wouldn't want to make a, a projection on garbage time, but you know, the model says fifty six to three. It's it's generally pretty good, so we'll, we'll go with that. So TCU is along for the ride of trying to figure out how to best talk about a game that Ohio State's going to win by a lot of points. Thank you once again for your insight. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, Nathan, myself, and Andrew will be giving our picks when we come back here on Buckeye Talk. 
Welcome back to Nathan and Andrew. Once again, Tishu helping me get smarter and smarter every day with how I bet and how you bet and how everybody bets. Sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. Tishu's not on the text, but you should sign up for the text. He signs up for the text. So if somebody that smart is signed up for the text, I'm telling you, smart people sign up for the text, 614-350-3315. Two-week free trial. This is a great time to sign up. Time to make our game picks. Andrew, I'm going to allow you to go first here. The line is 41 and a half. Ohio State versus Youngstown State at noon on Saturday. What is your game score? Uh, Ohio State is going to win, breaking news, uh, 45 to 3. Uh, they're going to cover the spread ever so slightly. Um, so I, I think that this is one of those games where Youngstown State's going to try to run the ball a lot. Wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State tries to run the ball a little bit. Um, I understand you want to get your quarterback some reps, but. Um, you know, I was looking up some some of the other FCS scores um, from week one. Um, Notre Dame beat Tennessee State 56 to three. That line was 48 and a half. Georgia beat UT Martin 48 to seven. That line was 50. Uh, so UT Martin actually covered that one with some you know relative ease. Uh, Ole Miss beat Mercer 73 to seven. That line was 35. And Oregon beat Portland State 81 to seven. So, yeah, that one was crazy. Um, but you know, you kind of see the variation a little bit. I think some of these big schools, you know, Georgia specifically, I think, and, and maybe to an, uh, a lesser extent, Notre Dame, I think they kind of, they recognize, like, I know Sam Hartman didn't play the second half. Um, I know Georgia kind of did the same thing. They kind of pulled some guy, like, I think the bigger teams and the teams that are kind of at the maybe top half of the top 25 polls kind of understand where they're at. And they understand that, look, we, this is a long season. We're going to get these guys some rest. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Ohio State does that. You know, I, I just, at what point do you pull Marv? Like, I, you know, Ryan Day said, uh, I forget if it was on his radio show or during his, um, you know, his rapid fire Q&A that we did with him on uh, Lightning on round. Thursday. Lightning round. Lightning we, round. Whatever. We've Lightning already... round. It's, we, but you get what I'm saying. Um but somebody asked him a question like, you never want to take anything for granted, but, uh, you know, is there kind of, you know, would you maybe look to get Marvin out of the game a little bit? And like, I think that that can go for Emeka and Marvin, like Ryan Day was, you know, he, he was fairly diplomatic with his answer. Oh, you know, you got to try to win every game and blah, 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 you know, but I think that that goes back to what Nathan was saying. You're not going to really want to show up Youngstown State. I think there's a little bit of that. I think there's also a little bit of we got uh, Western Kentucky next week and Notre Dame the following week. Like this is kind of a like this is kind of a build for us. And this is the week that if you're going to get guys rest, you want to do it. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's 14 nothing. You start to see some serious rotation going on on uh, Ohio State's offensive and defensive side of the ball. So Ohio State's going to win. They're going to cover. Uh, I didn't see an over under, but I would bet you the over under is probably at not somewhere right around. Yeah, I would bet you that if it if there is one released, um, you know, by the time you're listening to this, it will be somewhere forty eight to forty nine to fifty, because um, it's basically like will Youngstown State score? Uh, will they score a touchdown? So Ohio State's going to win forty five to three. Nathan, what's your game score? So I'm going to go ahead and take the same one that I had already kind of conjured up when I thought we might be picking against the tissue line. And that's 
very close to Andrews, actually. It's 48 to 3, Ohio State. So that would be covering the 41 and a half and uh, would be probably covering any, uh, be on the over of any point total that ended up coming out. I did go back and look to come up with that. I went back and looked at, and this doesn't tell us anything about Ohio State, but I did go back and look at the last, you know, Alabama and Georgia play an FCS team every year, basically. And a lot of times it's late in the season. So that is an X factor here to, to remember. But the average score of those games, the past four that each of them has played for Alabama, it's, it's basically like 50 to nine. And for Georgia, it's 49 to six. So that, again, tells you that maybe this 41 and a half line makes some sense. There there have been some variations in there. You know, uh, Alabama will beat Western Carolina 66-3, but then they'll also beat Austin P 34-0. Georgia beat Sanford 33-0. And you're right, they, they'll, they'll sub out their stars pretty early on. I think Ohio State will have a chance to do that, even though it does have a game coming up against Western Kentucky after that, where because of, I think, where Western Kentucky is defensively, there's a scenario where things can get out of hand in that game too. But I don't think Ohio State can, like, plan ac- accordingly. I think you've got to probably try to manage your starters, get get – be very productive with them early, get them out of the game, and then see what the second string can do. So uh, just a game that if, if if Ohio State is not taking control, seizing control early, and sort of pushing them around the way that they didn't push Indiana around in most capacities on offense last week, um, that you, that's just what you need to see this week. So 48-3, to three, uh, but I'm I, also one of those games where if the, if the score did get really ugly, nobody would be surprised. So both of you are taking OSU to cover so far, but doing it in a very conservative way. Both of your guys' scores resemble the Trestle era when they played Youngstown State. In 2007, they played Youngstown State. They won 38-6. to Then the following year, 2008, when they played them, they won 43-0. The only other time Ohio State has played an FCS opponent in the past 25 years is in 2013 when they hosted Florida A&M under Urban Meyer, and they won 76-0. to that is where the range I'm at. And the reason why I'm in that range is there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There are seven other instances. And in just since Ryan Day has been here, whether we're talking as an offensive coordinator, or as a head coach, where Ohio State has scored at least 60 points. Maryland in 2017, they scored 62 to 14. Oregon State, the following year, they won 77 to 31. The following year against Michigan, they scored 62 and it was 62 to 39. Then against Miami of Ohio, his first year as the head coach, 76 to 5. Against Maryland, that same 2019 season, 73 to 14. And then against Maryland in 2021, 66 to 17. And then last year against Toledo, 77 to 21. So only two of those have come against non power five teams. And if you take away Oregon State, only three of them have not come against Big Ten teams. I think against these lower-level teams, whether you're talking non-Power 5 and now you're throwing an FCS opponent to there, Ohio State can just slip and fall in the touchdowns. There's now there's execution, but then there's also, I'm just better than you, and a drive that maybe they were planning to maybe go three, four, or five plays just goes one play, or something happens on special teams, or somebody gets a pick six or a scoop and score. You you just have to bake all of that into your idea of how this game is going to go. And so I came up with the score 70 to nothing. It's just 10 touchdowns. Some of that might be offensive. Most of it will be offensively. Maybe some comes on defense. One maybe comes on special teams. Check out our outrageous predictions video to see what that one is. But I just think Ohio State is going to slip and fall 
into the end zone time and time again because this is already one of the most potent offenses in the country for Power 5 schools to deal with and Big 10 schools to deal with. Now you're talking about a school who doesn't have any real answer for it, while also Ohio State is going to have a point in this game where they're trying to execute some things, especially in the first half. I don't think they score 20 points in every single quarter. I think the fourth quarter is where it starts to speed up and maybe they just slow it down. But I think the first three quarters, they're just going to be trying to execute because they're trying to figure out this quarterback situation while also just playing football, and I think they just might end up in the end zone a lot. So all three of us taking the cover, Andrew and Nathan, maybe it's a little bit more sweating it out. For me, it's very simple, 70 to nothing. And those are our game picks here on Buckeye Talk. So, yeah, there it is. Um, Ohio State's going to play an FCS opponent on Saturday at noon. It might get ugly at some point. But as we, I think the more interesting thing here, go back and listen to that Thursday Buckeye talk. Cause I think that was a really, I thought it was a fun exercise. Hopefully you too thought it was a fun exercise, but I think we're going to learn more about Ohio state's depth than maybe it's future. than we are going to learn about what they can do as far as national championship aspirations this year, because it's just so lopsided in talent. So for Nathan Baird, for Andrew Gillis, I'm Steven means. And that was Buckeye talk.